Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the RFP podcast, episode number 174, Relentless Forward Progress. I'm your host, Mike Ubaldini, and grateful to have you guys with us, as always, joined by a guest again today. AJ, you there? Yeah, I'm here, Mike. How you doing? Awesome. Awesome. Hear you loud and clear. That's awesome. So AJ Enfield and I, I don't know, we probably have known each other 15 plus years. Yeah. Which is crazy to think about, but yeah, yeah. No, around that. I mean, you were in you were in high school, I think, when we we started all going to the well, at least when we joined going to the beach with you guys. Yeah, yeah. So, man, <laughs> crazy. Yeah, so it's been yeah, it's been a long time now. <laughs> so, excuse me, I'm <clears throat> I'm out in the patio, so you might hear birds chirping and wind blowing so <clears throat> so i wanted to i wanted to circle back to that because you know just for the audience aj and i met basically 15 plus years ago when our families now aj you and your parents and val and then <clears throat> uh the Zawaras and that whole clan were going long before we joined 15 years ago to san diego every summer yeah uh so we had been Let's see. We had only been going for probably like two or three years before you guys started joining up. Um, mm. But yeah, it had been, and it was uh, like the same set of four or so families with a few others kind of rotating through renting this uh, beach house property out on mission beach pretty much every year for a week and just sort of became this big extended family kind of deal. Yeah. Yeah, so that's kind of that's how how our relationship began, and you know, at that point in time when you were younger, uh, you know, there's been a lot of conversations that I had had with your mom and dad, and and you know, I've I've gleaned a lot from them as as well as 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 you, and we'll we'll kind of circle into all that good stuff in a minute here, but you know, as as I got to know your parents better and and just see how they. Um, you know, how they were, were raising you and your sister, Valerie, uh, and just some of the principles they had and, and some of the characteristics. I was very uh, attracted to them, connected with them. There was a lot of things they did that I was like, oh, because our girls at that point in time, Isabella and Elena, you know, were, were babies pretty much. So I was trying to get as much information uh, to be somewhat of a respectable father figure in their life because I didn't know what the heck I was doing. So I learned a lot from your parents through those years. And then, you know, you and I started connecting uh, as you grew older, um, you know, cause you were a teenager basically at that point in time. And then once you, once you got into really 20 and 21, there was, there was, I mean, cause I'm just for the audience, I, I'm, I'm many, many years senior to AJ, but I'm hoping, I'm hoping he's learned as much from me over the years as I've learned from him. But I wanted to kind of start off with, with your parents and the relationship you've had with your parents through the years, because I mean, from, from an outsider looking at, I see a very, very special relationship between you, your, just your family in general, but, you know, talk about that relationship as, and, you know, growing up and, and where it started and, and some of the things that they provide to you as far as lessons and, 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 and guidance over the years. Absolutely. I, and, you know, it is, it's one of those things where, when you're a little kid, you just sort of, your assumption is just that 
everyone operates the same way you and your family do. And so it was a really long time before I really appreciated, and I'm probably still not fully there, but getting closer to fully appreciating just how blessed and how special uh, our family is. Because it is, it's one of those things in terms of where it starts, it's really kind of hard to put your finger on it just because it sort of always has been. But I think the foundation for it really is that uh, my parents have always been on the same team. Uh, and so not necessarily always on the same page, although as a kid, we, as kids, we always thought they were. In fact, uh, I remember a conversation one time where Val was saying something to the effect of uh, our parents never fight. And my parents both kind of laughing at that idea a little bit. Just they're like, well, yeah, no, no, we never, we never fought in front of you. That'd be, they, they always, if they kind of always had each other's back. And so mm-hmm. I know it's a really kind of common childhood thing where you get a no from one parent and you go ask the other. Um, and then that ends up blowing up in your face. And so with my parents, they always made very clear that what one of them said went for both of them. And one of the things that I remember talking to them about later that I think was just absolutely brilliant is if, for example, my mom said no to something, she wasn't comfortable with the idea of us going to one of our friend's houses or something like that. And if my dad thought she was being a little overprotective, he would talk to her, just the two of them, and then it would be her who came out and announced that she had changed her mind. Hmm. And so, like, as far as we were concerned, it was just, you know, mom had been thinking about this. And so there was no undermining or anything like that. It was always a very, very united front, which, sure, at times when I really wanted to do something that one of them told me no, and I thought the other one probably would have told me yes, was kind of a pain. But, like, looking back on it, that's been such a huge thing. It, it gave a a stability to everything that happened in the family. Um, Them constantly being on the same page. And that's a big part of where I think for me, I, and I don't want to oversell this. Like I definitely still struggle with the fear of failure and those kinds of things, but there was always, there's always been this real kind of sense of it's okay to try. And I think a big part of that stems back to the idea that the family was always stable. Like it was always safe here. Mm-hmm. Um, I was never going to fall too far because mom and dad were there. And then later on in life with Val coming into the picture, because she's five years younger than me, um, which means it was quite a while before I looked at her as anything other than a baby. Mm-hmm. Um, but like eventually that, that dynamic I feel like still kind of stuck where no matter what we knew the family had our backs. You, you talk about, you talked about uh, the fear of failure. Um, mm-hmm. Is that, is that self-inflicted? Uh, yeah. I, I think so. I, I mean, so you can always point to outside factors and all of that. 
But the thing with those outside factors is there are billions of people on this planet and at least hundreds of millions of them have experienced similar outside factors. And yet the way they responded isn't the same. So it still kind of comes back to me and it being self-inflicted. Sure. sure. Um, it had been... nothing, it had, it's not to interrupt you. Sorry, but it, it, I'm talking from, cause I, I, I think I know the answer, but it, it, it had never come from, I need to do this because my mom and dad, my mom or dad would approve and would love me more or so on and so forth. Yeah, no, no, no. It was definitely never anything like that. Um, hmm. I will. Yeah. As far as like willing to try things and those kinds of things, because obviously, you know, individual choices and things like that. And especially as a kid, that's kind of a healthy thing. Yeah. Like that idea of having to picture telling my mom that I did something. I mean, like, right. oh, that's that's not a conversation I want to have. <laughs> okay, good um, point. That's good. So there's that part of it. But in terms of if there was something I felt like I really wanted to do, I never felt like uh, going after that would be something that would be frowned on. Like they might have questions. They might ask me like where it's coming from and those kinds of things. And same if there was something that I really didn't want to do. Hmm. There would be, you know, they they would want to make sure that I had really invested the time and thought into the process. But if I could show them that, like, I felt really strongly about this, then that was fine. Um, and again, I mean, like all of it age dependent. I'm sure when I was a little kid, there were all kinds of things I tried to tell them I didn't want to do. Um, so actually, the, one example, I when I was playing little league baseball and it was my last season and our coach was like super well-intentioned, but just um, competitive to dangerous levels, even when it's not <laughs> in competing. Like, so he, he did not, we were losing and he would lose his temper way more quickly than we would lose the game and those kinds of things. Uh, but so like, I decided I wanted to quit. I didn't want to play anymore. Um, and so when I said that, my dad's response was, why? And when we were kind of talking about it and everything, and really, like, baseball was never the sport that I just absolutely loved playing either. Um, but when we were talking about it and everything, my dad's response ultimately after we had the conversation was, you know what, that's fine. If you don't want to play baseball next year, you absolutely don't have to. But you made a commitment here. And so like mm -hmm. he brought in that stuff. And like, so I, I did finish out the season um, and I didn't play baseball again, but it was one of those things. So it was just a conversation. And like the, it was clear that the reason I was being told no wasn't because me not playing baseball in some way disappointed my dad or anything like that. It was, look, you made a commitment and this is what we do. We keep our commitments. That's a great point. So let, let me, let me, let me dig into that there and ask you, you know, and it could be, it could be a combined lesson from your mom and dad or one from each of them. But what do you think, what growing up and, and living to the point you have, have been now, the biggest take lesson is from, from mom, dad combination of the two, either, however you want to address it. Yeah, I would say, um, so from my dad, I think 
the the biggest lesson and it's kind of one of those things like it encapsulates a lot of stuff but just this idea of integrity Mm. um so that idea of commitment and following through to something you committed to that i mentioned earlier is part of it but it's also this idea of um it was always very important that you weren't just putting on appearances. If you were being, you're supposed to be good to people, not because of any other reason than that's just how you treat people and you're a good person. So you do it this way. Um, And so that sense of like character, respect and commitment and all of this stuff that kind of gets wrapped up in that one word of integrity, being genuine, uh, genuinely who you are and, putting that out there for people. Um, From my mom, I would say the biggest thing I learned from her is uh, just, she just has such an incredible love for people. You know, you, I don't, do you remember we did, uh, it was for her 50th birthday out at that Kokomo Joe's. That used oh. to be there up in Cave Creek. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, well, I do. So we're there for her 50th birthday party. And we've got that big like section or whatever reserved. And, you know, the beach people, family, all these different groups are, are there and celebrating and having fun. And there's all these people here celebrating my mom's birthday with her. And yet, sure enough, there's my mom talking to having like a long happy conversation with someone who she ran into at the bar, who she didn't know, uh, probably never saw or spoke to again. But just in that moment, she was so present to that person. And like, she just, she connects with people, not because she's trying to, but because whoever she's talking to at that moment kind of is the most fascinating person in the world. Yeah. I mean, just to kind of, tag along there that's i get that with to be honest with you i get that with all of you but but um yeah she does because i've had many many conversations with her like deep 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 conversations with her and she does make you feel like you're the most important person in the world at that moment in time and i think that's just a great you hit the nail on the head there yeah it's and i think you're right like my my dad has kind of that same focus when he's talking to people. And I think I do too, but what kind of sets my mom apart is her willingness to like initiate the conversations and stuff mm-hmm. like with mm-hmm. people who she doesn't know. Yeah, if she sees yeah. the person, there's, there's something going on and she feels like they're stressed out or something like that. She'll ask them and just go there. Even if mm-hmm. they're not someone who she knows or knows particularly well, because she's just, Whereas I feel like my dad and I, and he and I have actually had this conversation before. We'll sit there and be like, man, I really hope that person's okay. And kind <laughs> of, you know, we're, we're looking and if there, there is an opening or if there's something that kind of initiates a conversation, then absolutely we're there. But my mom, like, she is just so other focused, mm. like focused on the other at all times. Like she sees it and it's going to drive her nuts if she doesn't go and figure out like a little bit of what's going on, never prying or anything like that, but just asking, are you okay? And then letting their answer kind of determine where the conversation goes from there. Yeah, that's perfect. 
That's really good. Um, I, I, I caught something that you said earlier about, um, and I want to jump over to Val because you, t- you were talking about your parents and when you wanted to do something or not to do something, there was the question, you know, where is this coming from? What's your thought process around it? Not necessarily jumping right in, but mm-hmm. with, with Val, because I see you and Val, yeah, you are brothers and sisters, but like most families, you guys are, I'm not going to say polar opposites, but you you are two different people. And she, as far as the time I've been around her, she's jumped right into things. You know, she, and I'm not saying that in a bad way. Uh, you know, no. I think I think if there's something she wanted, she she went after it uh, yeah. without, you know, maybe the analysis paralysis or even thinking about it much. If she wanted it, she, she would go after it. So you guys, you two have a special bond too. Uh, and I just wanted you to kind of talk a little bit about that and, and how that has fostered and grown throughout the years. Cause I think, I mean, again, I think it's been even stronger and stronger as you guys have gotten older too. Oh yeah. No, I, well, so the, the reality is, uh, people who knew Val and I and watched us interact um, back when we were both living with my parents probably would have had a very different, uh, they, they probably wouldn't have mapped out our relationship going the way it has because we are like very different people. We've got a lot of things in common. So you're right. We're not polar opposites, but if you look at specific things, we tend to be at pretty opposite ends of some of those spectrums. So I am, and again, these are not like value statements because both of them can go too far either way, but like, I'm much more of a a people pleaser. Like I'm trying to keep people together. Like, okay, let's, let's, what, how can I help get everyone on the same page? Uh, And Valerie is a lot more, um, uh, I guess kind of like direct and driven. Like you said, she, she has reasons. Like it's not like she hasn't thought her stuff through. She knows why, but now that she knows why all that matters now is making it happen. Right. And so if you're going to sit there and the, a lot of times, uh, especially when she was younger, questions were viewed as attacks. Like you're asking her this question because you think she's wrong as opposed to just asking the question. Now, my big problem in our relationship, the thing that I did that uh, caused a lot of tension is I always tried to play the middle ground between my parents and Val because uh, my dad and Valerie are both extremely strong-willed people and I love that about them. Uh, But when they were very strong-willed, in opposite directions on something, uh, neither one wanted to back down. And so there were arguments and those kinds of things. And so after it would get done and after Val would go like stomping back to her room or be sent back to her room, whatever the case may be, I'm trying to play like diplomat over here and go and like, trying to kind of present to my parents what I think Val's side kind of is. And then like trying to talk to Val about where my parents are coming from and everything. And the reality is, especially because uh, Val was five years younger than me from her perspective, it just looked like I was trying to be a third parent. 
Mm. And from my parents' perspective, sometimes it seemed that way too. And I know that because they told me, they're like, look, we don't need your help raising her. I was like, oh, okay, fair point. Um, but so, yeah, we, we started off um, when we were, so like when she was in high school and I was, uh, well, so when she was in junior high and I was in high school, um, our relationship, it was never like we, we never fought, like we just kind of did our own things. And occasionally we would be at the same place at the same time. We didn't do a whole lot of, uh, we didn't interact a whole lot more than we needed to. Um, and I don't know that it was ever like a conscious decision. Our schedules just sort of lined up that way. And neither one of us saw any real reason to like try and make time for the two of us to hang out. Right. Once I moved out though, and started going to NAU, um, then when I would come home and I would, you know, take her and one of her friends to go see a movie and those kinds of things, that's when, you know, there was that distance. And so I wasn't in the middle of all of the conversations at home, especially the ones that I didn't need to be, that I just sort of kept forcing my way into with good intentions, but still stupidly done. Sure. Um, and so now we were able to start just interacting without, there wasn't the same tension hanging over it. And that's really when she and I started to uh, get closer. But really, even before then, uh, Valerie has always been someone who I really like admire and look up to, which is kind of a weird thing to say as the older brother, but it's very true. Like our school experiences, even though we went to very similar schools, were very different. Um, I was very kind of shy and timid and kind of like hanging back um, background character. And Valerie was Valerie. She was just her all the time. And sometimes that meant she connected really well with people. And sometimes it meant there were people who she couldn't stand and they couldn't stand her, but she was always her. Mm. Uh, and so that that's one of those things that like as a – high school student watching my junior high sister and hearing her and the way she interacted with people. Um, and then in college and seeing her in high school and everything, like it was always just something that I found very impressive and that I've kind of tried to incorporate more and more into how I deal with things. You know, we're, we're different people and it's always going to be that way, but that doesn't mean there aren't, things that we can learn from each other that, and I've definitely sure. tried to do that and bring that in where um, I have a tendency again, to be very super diplomatic in a conversation where it'll take me probably five or 10 minutes longer than it should to get a point across because I'm trying to couch it with so many caveats <laughs> and so many protections to not be misunderstood. And it's like, you know what it'd be a lot quicker is to just tell them what I think and then if they're stuck on some part of it, we can discuss that. Then I can explain where I'm coming from a little bit more. Are you going to be running for political office at any time in the near future? Because that sounds like a major quality of most politicians. Oh, my gosh. No, that's, <laughs> that's the thing is it took me a while to realize uh, there were a lot of people, a lot of my friends and stuff who kind of either half jokingly or not jokingly would talk about the idea of, you know, 
me possibly going into politics when I was at NAU and those kinds of things. <laughs> and it took me a long time to realize that the reason they were saying it is because I was long winded and a blowhard. And I'm like, Oh, right. no, no. <laughs> they, they're not saying I would be a good fit for politics because I've got great ideas. They're saying it because I talk like a politician. Okay. Sure. Got it. But yeah, no, it is. It's um, <laughs> definitely one of the things so when we were talking about the lessons from my parents, that's probably the one I get from Val is like, people are going to be mad at you sometimes regardless. Mm -hmm. So if they're going to be mad at you for something, it might as well be the right thing. You know, instead of them being mad about uh, some opinion that they think you have, if you're just a lot more clear with it, if they're mad with you, if they're mad at you about something, they're at least mad for an actual accurate reason. Sure. Sure. Well, let, let's transition into that career, right? Because uh, we're j jokingly about a pol joking, joking about being a politician, but you know, you've your family has something I I I I valued with you guys, and and uh, is your your faith, you know, your your faith, your mm -hmm. spirituality, not you know, individually, but as as a family, and you know, you grew up in the uh, in the, the Catholic church and you, you went to seminary and I remember you were going to Iowa, or it's not Iowa, Ohio. That's where you were. If I'm, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. And you got to visit in Pennsylvania for giving. And that was a fun time. We had a lot of, a lot of good laughs and that was great. Beers. That was a good time. So I, I wanted to, I, yeah, yeah, it was, it was a blast. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> to Jack, that was Jack. Yeah, the, the, the husky. But yeah, uh, so that I wanted, to, I wanted you to kind of talk through that journey a little bit from you know, um, just really from from the Catholic upbringing in seminary, and then you know, you're, you're still obviously you are my spiritual guide. We've had a lot of conversations where I might be questioning my faith, and I would come to you and say, "Hey, listen, AG, these are my thoughts. Can you kind of walk me through it?" And it's been very, very helpful for me, but. You know, you, you you diverted from that 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 you know because I, I believe you there was a the thought of becoming a priest at some point in time, but you diverted from that. Still, still involved in in, in faith and, and teaching theology and all that, but kind of walk through that process and, and from where that started that that journey to to where you're at now. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, like you said, the fam my parents set a very strong foundation in the faith. Um, going to church was never really a question. Um, you know, I mean, until high school, and then you start questioning just because that's kind of your job as a high schooler and those kinds of things. But like, it was still, you can ask us why we're going, but yeah, we are going. Um, my mom was my RE teacher. She taught our religious education classes up until I think fifth grade. And then she decided she did not have the patience to deal with junior high students. And so she started <laughs> teaching younger kids. Um, but, you know, Valerie and I spent a lot of years at Catholic school. And so that, that foundation was always there. And it was something that was definitely taken very seriously. Um, and I don't remember a particular trigger point for it or anything like that. But I do remember at some point as a little kid, you know, uh, so now my parents' neighbor is the, the 51, the freeway. But before that happened, the neighbor was 
the priest of St. Joan of Arc, their parish. That was the, the rectory for that church before the freeway came through and knocked it down. Oh, wow. uh, and so just interacting with, uh, at the time it was Father Larry, Father Larry Widener, uh-huh. but interacting with him on a regular basis and those kinds of things. Just as a little kid, I kind of sort of assumed I was going to be a priest. I don't know where the idea came from exactly, but it was just sort of always there. And then um, probably around fifth or sixth grade, started to notice girls and started to think that cooties wasn't necessarily that big of a problem. And, (laughs) you know, so it just sort of, and it never, it's not like I ever thought about it and changed my mind. It just sort of drifted into the background uh, until... You know, fast forward quite a few years, um, I had left NAU and was just doing volunteer youth ministry stuff, uh, being a core member on a life teen group. And one of the teens in the group was going to seminary that next year. It was his senior year. And uh, after, like at the end of a retreat, he just sort of pulled me aside and was like, you know, I was just I was praying about it. And I thought I should ask you if you ever considered the priesthood. And I was very supportive as I laughed in his face and said, yeah, no, no, I thought about it and that's, yeah, I, I thought about it and it, it's not for me. He was like, well, okay. And he just, you know, kind of left it in that. He just sort of felt, said, uh, you know, I felt like I should ask. It's like, okay. So that next year he's at seminary and uh, it's just kind of one of those things that it's back in the back of my head and won't leave me alone. There's just kind of this gnawing sense that, you know, for a long time I really thought that that's what I was supposed to do. And then I just stopped thinking about it. And so I decided that I really needed to like actually look at it and make a decision one way or the other. So when I went to seminary and I was, so the application process and everything, it's like a poly, uh, it's like applying for college um, with some additional screening processes and stuff that go through, but it's basically that same deal. And so while I'm going through the process, uh, I was very honest with them. I was like, you know what? I don't know whether I'm called to be a priest or not, but I know I need to figure it out. And so that's why I wanted to go. And they're like, perfect. Cause one of the things that uh, the priests who were involved for the diocese of Phoenix on it, one of the things they really stressed is you don't go to seminary to become a priest you go to seminary to figure out whether or not God wants you to be a priest. Mm. And so that approach took a ton of weight off of my shoulders. I was like, okay, good. So um, I'm going there to figure it out. I spent three years in Columbus, Ohio, which, you know, I can't really recommend. Um, Three years in Columbus, Ohio is a lot of gray. Uh, But the three years at seminary were three of the best years of my life. I absolutely loved it. Um, Spent, you know, having some dedicated time built into your schedule for prayer. Uh, Discipline has long been one of kind of my weaknesses in terms of, you know, I can come up with a goal. I can come up with a plan to get there. uh, But what I really have been working on and will continue to work on most likely forever is actually making myself follow through it. And so having that kind of structure set up to build some of those habits of daily prayer and those kinds of things were great. And the brotherhood, the community that was there was just fantastic. You know, uh, guys from all over the country, all kinds of different life experiences, but all of you are 
in this place for the same reason. You're tr trying to figure out what is it that you're supposed to be doing with your life and whether the priesthood is it. So some of my best friends now are priests who I met there. And some other really good friends are guys who were there in seminary and discerned out as well. But ultimately what it kind of came down to was at the end of those three years, I graduated, had a bachelor's degree um, in philosophy, which means I'm qualified to ask the really important questions like, would you like fries with that? <laughs> um, and then was getting ready that next summer. Um, every summer we had a summer assignment where you would go and live in the rectory of a parish and kind of just help out, get to know the priest and those, uh, and work with the people during the summer before you went back to seminary. And so that summer I had largely kind of before the summer, I had largely kind of come to the conclusion talking to, uh, Oh, one thing at seminary, they give you these formation directors, a formation director and a spiritual director and so you've got someone who you go to and you're just kind of talking through where you're at in the process and all of this. And so um, through my conversations with my spiritual director and formation director, I had largely kind of come to the conclusion that I didn't think God was calling me to the priesthood. Um, but so that summer I was encouraged to, to, you know, not rush things. They basically said, you know, that's fine. We, we believe you in your discernment. Um, but what we would encourage you to do is go ahead and take this last summer assignment uh, and just continue praying on it. And if you still are convinced at the end of the assignment that it's not where God's calling you, then awesome. You're a little bit more sure in your discernment. And uh, either way, we move forward. It's like, okay, sounds good. So I did that. Hey, AJ, AJ, let me, let me ask you, was there, was there something specific that was giving you that, that thought that, you know, I don't think God wants me to do Was there something that you could think back on that was driving you to that? So, so not necessarily a specific thing, but more just sort of, um, so the analogy that I use a lot of times for it is this idea of uh, comparing beautiful music to like a beautiful painting. And so when you look at a beautiful painting, you can stare at it, you can appreciate that it's magnificent, it's beautiful, but it's still this thing that is outside of you. Whereas music, if it's really beautiful and if you really appreciate it, it actually kind of gets in you and it causes motion. Interesting. And that's kind of where I was at. The more I learned about the priesthood, the more beautiful I thought it was, uh, the more amazing the, the priesthood came to be. But it was also still one of those things where it was always something kind of detached from me. I didn't feel drawn to it, per se. It wasn't making you move. Yeah, exactly. It wasn't making yeah. me move. And I think the other thing that really kind of stood out was all of the parts of the priesthood that I felt the most excited about and drawn to. Uh, and this was one of the things that came up in my conversation with the spiritual director, actually all of the things that I was most excited about the, uh, the preaching, the discussing the scriptures with people, the uh, talking to people about the importance of the faith. These are all things that you don't have to be a priest to do. 
<laughs> you know what I mean? Like the the uniquely priestly things, the the sacraments, the uh, bringing the Eucharist to people, hearing confessions. Those are all things that I think are incredible and are beautiful. But when I really sat down and thought about it, those weren't the parts of the priesthood that I was really drawn to. And so I was like, oh. So then am I drawn to the priesthood or am I like just sort of drawn to um, these specific tasks that I kind of associate with the priest? And that's ultimately kind of what it came down to was that um, I really felt and still feel that I am more drawn to those aspects of priestly life than I am to being a priest. Mm. And going back to the music thing, when I think about the priesthood, it feels very much like the, the painting. When I think about uh, someday being married and having kids and those kinds of things, that's more, that's more like the music. That like kind of causes me to move and do things and pursue that. Um, and so now I'm still incredibly grateful for my time at seminary, still using the things that I learned there, uh, teaching junior high religion to a, a Catholic school here in Phoenix, uh, and also still just using most of what I got from it is stuff that I just sort of use in my daily life and interactions with other people in terms of uh, the knowledge base, sure, but more than that, spending that much, spending three years really kind of dedicated to uh, prayer and formation and all of that really heightened my awareness of who I am. Uh, it helped me to get to know myself a lot better and made it a lot easier for me now to kind of recognize when I'm about to start on some of my old bad habits and kind of recognize it earlier or to recognize when, um, to recognize when the reason I want to quit doing something is because it's hard, as opposed to recognizing the reason I want to quit doing something is because it's not what I'm supposed to be doing. Hmm. Because I had never really, prior to going to seminary, I had never really discerned anything. I had never really prayerfully thought my way through anything. It was always just sort of a, uh, try it. If it works, good. It's what was supposed to happen. If it didn't work, uh, then obviously that wasn't what was supposed to happen. And there is some truth to that, but I found that if I actually, you know, talk to God and listen for his subtle responses, a lot of times I can figure out it's not what I'm supposed to be doing before I put my head through the brick wall a few dozen times. Mm -hmm. Would you, would you, is it safe to say, and I don't want words into your mouth, but I hear, I hear that. <laughs> Correct me if I'm wrong. Maybe one of your biggest takeaways from that experience was becoming more self-aware. That's a big part of it. So, you know, your relationship with others, whether we're talking about other people or whether we're talking about God or uh, even our relationship with our environment, and the situations we find ourselves in, mm -hmm. the only constant in all of that is going to be us. Mm -hmm. And so knowing, really getting that self-awareness about who I am and how I respond to different things and having the opportunity to kind of dig into why I respond the way I do has really helped me recognize 
the value and the importance of the interactions that I have with others. It's like that self-awareness is so central to being able to be present to others and being able to uh, have healthy and strong relationships with other people. And I, so I do, I think that that self-awareness has been one of the biggest takeaways for me. That's awesome. That's all. That's, I mean, that's something we've talked about. And that's, that's going back to why I wanted to bring you on because we've had so many conversations. I think the last one we had, we were up at, uh, uh, what the heck is that over at Desert Ridge? The, the yard house. Yeah. The yard house. And, and I think either you or I said, we got to start recording these things because <laughs> yeah. these are pretty awesome. So I'm glad we were able to do it. So let's, I want to, I have a couple other things I want to cover. I'll be sensitive to your time. I wanted to switch directions and go into, you know, your podcast and then, then the coffee company that you guys sure. got going on and, and, and share a little bit about, you know, that, what kind of, got you got you going with that and and the, the the story behind there and then we could certainly share that that information in the notes of the uh, of the in the show notes for others to kind of research that and get involved with that but talk a little bit about those two because i think they're they're kind of they're kind of combined if you will or related if you will oh definitely i mean in fact so um yeah the my cousin brandon and i uh started a podcast slash coffee company slash a bunch of other things that we're hoping to build it into as the years go on uh, called Inkledoo. Um, and ultimately it was born out of <laughs> the exact same line of reasoning for you and I recording this conversation. Uh, Brandon and I, he's a few months older than me, I think like six months or something like that. And so we've always grown up together because not just my immediate family, but the extended family, especially on my dad's side, has always been just a huge part of our lives. Um, and so we've been around each other our whole lives. And then he and I started getting together for uh, Taco Tuesdays up at Desert Ridge. We would just grab, you know, tacos. We would just grab some food and then just sit there for a couple hours and talk sometimes about incredibly deep things, other times about incredibly ridiculous things. Sometimes our deep things got pretty ridiculous. Sometimes our ridiculous things got really deep, but um, just a lot of conversations. And then fast forward a few years, he had started another coffee. He had started a different coffee company just because he had worked in, he had worked at Starbucks and things before and really discovered he enjoyed roasting coffee. He enjoyed that process. He enjoyed the craft to it, that kind of, the, the way little changes had such big impacts on the final product. And so he had started this company and he was doing it totally on his own. Um, and then he found that he had kind of made some short-term bottom line choices that none of them were catastrophic in and of themselves, but over the course of a few of those, he found himself selling some coffee that he wasn't actually proud to have his name on. It wasn't mm -hmm. stuff that he was uh, proud of himself for and that he, he felt like he had really dropped the ball. And so he wanted to, he wanted to start up again. He wanted to take what he had with that and put it into a new company and start fresh. 
And he also wanted there to be someone on board who, so I'm not a coffee expert by any stretch. I didn't start actually drinking and enjoying coffee until just a few years ago. Um, I had been an energy drink person for a long time until I realized that it was going to kill me because blood pressure is a thing. But uh, he, he wanted someone who could kind of help keep him grounded. You know, you know how sometimes just even saying an idea out loud, even before you hear a response from the other person, you're like, oh, wow, no, no, that's terrible. That's way worse than I thought it was in my head. And so yeah. basically he wanted someone as a sounding board. He was like, you know what? We haven't had the regular conversations in years. And so by us kind of joining up for this company, the podcast, um, which is also Inkledoo uh, and everything. Honestly, it's kind of one of those things where in part we started doing it because we enjoy the conversations and we figured we get stuff out of it. Other people probably would too. Uh, and it's a great way to make sure he and I are still having the conversations and keeping that relationship building and growing. Um, but yeah, we so prior to everything getting locked down, we had really... Uh, been making some really strong strides with our the coffee side of things. And I feel like we still are. Um, the, the coffee that he's roasting now is a huge step forward from what we had had before. I liked what we had before, but now he's, he's got a better roaster. And so he can get better beans and kind of bring out some of the different flavors that are in them. Uh, so really proud of what we're doing now with that. And then we had been out at Throne Brewing out in kind of the Glendale Peoria area, uh, 67th Avenue and Bell. We had been every week on Saturdays. We had worked out a deal with Carlos, the owner out there, where before they open, so from like eight o'clock to uh, from eight o'clock to noon. So we've got one hour of overlap there from eleven to noon we'd be in there slinging coffee and then at 11 they come in and start slinging the beer. Uh, and it was, it's been going really well for us. We did a couple of collaborations with them where they used some of our coffee and some of their beer. Um, the, the driving force behind kind of the, the podcast and behind the company. So the coffee is more like a vehicle to help get us there. Um, but the driving force behind it really is this idea of, meaningful conversations and delicious beverages you know we and coffee and beer and wine and all of these things they can kind of facilitate having some of those good conversations mm. with people who you agree with or disagree with whatever but to actually hear and understand another person's viewpoint uh, and we want to try and facilitate that you know, I think so often so often things get so polarized, you know, uh, even looking at a pandemic like we've got going right now, a health crisis, you would think in theory, if there's anything that was going to bring people together, it would be this massive thing that we all need each other in order to overcome. And in some ways that's happened, but we still were so dang polarized where a pandemic shouldn't be a political issue. Mm, yeah. And yet here it is. Yeah, I mean, and so, you could 
social media feed right now and and you know what i've noticed is you got uh, what i think some of friends have been friends for 30 years getting on a political Mm -hmm. battle via a facebook message and you you hit the nail on the head and i don't want this to dovetail into that conversation we'll circle it back to what you guys the purpose you're trying to do and 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 you know it, it it's certainly relative to our relationship because how many beverages we've shared over the years and conversations that, you know, have just been the same topic, right? They, 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 they could start as something that's completely um, idiotic and mind numbing and it goes to something deep and vice versa. And (laughs) there's, there's always, uh, there's always for me, I'm not going to speak for you, but for me, every conversations we've had, most of them, some of them maybe completely got sidetracked for other reasons, uh, have been a growth moment for me, or I've been able to pull something out that I've, I've been able to either immediately learn or, or uh, start practicing, uh, whether it was you know, worked or not is irrelevant. It, it was something I've been able to practice. Uh, and mm-hmm. then there's been those conversations where we've had where not that we disagreed, but we just didn't see the same side of the story and it was respected. And, you know, yeah. I think that, I think that has a lot to do with just, I think the people that we are uh, and the relationship we've had, but that's the type of thing that I would love to see ha- Listen, we're all different people. We could all have different differences of opinions, but let's let's sit down and enjoy a coffee or a beer or a glass of wine, and let's talk through. It. Especially now, when when there's so many people right now, because we can't, you know, we can't have that physical connection, but we right. could cert- we could certainly have a connection. And whether it's doing a podcast or doing a um, a Zoom meeting or or a face a FaceTime having that connection is so important, important and whatever the vehicle is to get there in your case, you're using the podcast and you're, you're using, like you said, the, the vehicle being the, the coffee. I think it's awesome. Oh, I think I lost you, Mike. I'm, I'm here. You got me. Oh, there we go. Yep. Yep. Gotcha now. So, yeah, I, I just um, think, I think what you're doing is awesome. And I, I mean, it, it's something that, you know, I've been having this podcast and I started, you know, it's, I've been doing this for three years and it's just, I think it was four weeks ago, Robin on um, as the first guest. Cause I thought that listen, the same kind of topic. I thought that what for me going through my transformation over the course of the last decade, I've learned so much Um or I, I've learned a lot and a lot of it has helped me. And there's other things that I've learned that didn't help me, but I think it's so important for us as a community, as a society to be able to share these nuggets. And that's what they are. They're nuggets, right? Um, yeah. And, and, and be able to share what tip really it's what people that came before us were able to get brave enough and have the courage to share so we can learn and therefore us passing it along. So for us to get these messages and get these nuggets so collectively we could all, you know, just make a little bit of progress each day. I think it's great. And what you guys have been doing is, is just, is just great. And by the way, I did have, I was the coffee porter or the coffee stout that I had. The coffee stout. Yeah. 
it's yeah. uh Go ahead. it it's a serious business yeah yeah that was that was an interesting it, it, the coffee the coffee stout was fantastic but i think that came after right after one of my races and my my tolerance was incredibly low and I walked into the party cause Val was in and you handed me this and said, try that. Or your dad handed it to me and I drank it. And on the car ride home, I was all loopy and I'm like, Robin, whew, thank God you're driving. But uh, just circling back to land this plane, I think what you guys are doing great. And like I said, I'll, I'll share the, in the show notes, the links and everything, but I want to, I want to kind of end it on, on, a, on three questions. Um, okay. The one the first one is, I think it's an easy one because, you know, we've shared a number of good beers together. What, what is your favorite beer? Who, um, so a time in the season for all things. And part sure. of me wanting to sound more kind of, uh, snooty and knowledgeable than I actually am. I'm like trying to think of something very obscure, but no, like honestly, um, a really good IPA is just hard to go wrong with. Yeah. Um, there's not really a season where I don't enjoy that, you know, um, for a favorite, one of those, man, there's a, there's, uh, one up from grand Canyon brewing, uh, up in Winslow or Williams, Williams. And, Man, I can't remember the name of it now to save my life, but it is, uh, it's, it's like a double IPA. I think it's green something, but man, it, it is delicious. And we can I will find grab that down here. That's awesome. I, I definitely echo that sentiment. I'm definitely an IPA. Although since we're in triple digits now, I've been craving a lot of Corona. So I've been drinking a couple Corona's each night after, after, uh, after dinner or with dinner. So, um, the only piece of Corona that you want in the house. Yeah. Well, that leads us to the next question, right? So we're, we're, we're all kind of in this stay at home. What has, what has been your indulgence over the course of the last six, seven weeks? If there has been any. Yeah. Um, so, my video game playing has absolutely skyrocketed. Um, Do you have so, a go-to game? Yes. Uh, I miss sports so incredibly badly. <laughs> uh, I have been playing so much NBA 2K20 nice. on my PlayStation 4. Um, I now have – so they've got this, like, career mode where you build yourself up from – an undrafted rookie type of thing. And I've got two players who I have maxed out and a third one that I'm working on. So yeah, no, it's, <laughs> it's been a lot of video game. Good for you, man. Good for you. Uh, last question. And then I'll let you go. What, uh, what is one thing that most people do not know about you? Hmm. Let's see. One thing that most people do not know about me. Huh. <laughs> you know what? Most people probably don't know just how much like 90s rap and hip hop I listen to. Interesting. I did not know that. It's, you know what? It's Joe Zawara's fault. 
<laughs> he, okay. he was my ride to school in high school. Um, and so I, I wasn't a huge fan of it at the time, but it's kind of one of those things, the nostalgia glasses or sure. ear, earbuds as the case may be has really been strong. And so uh, it's not a constant thing, but I really enjoy it. And so probably, you know, there'll be a few days a week where I'm at home doing my grading for our distance learning stuff. And I've got Tupac playing over my headphones and stuff like that. So yeah, that I think, I think there are plenty of people who would be surprised to hear that one. I, I was, I was, I, I will. Have you tuned into the, uh, the last dance, the Chicago Bulls thing? Oh, absolutely. So I, I love it. Again, there, sports fix. Yeah, there's a ton of uh, sweet, sweet 90s R&B <laughs> rap, rap music into that one, bud. Their music choices to pair with specific things going on has been one of the, like that appreciate, my appreciation for their attention to detail on that is right? insane. Right. Like, I, I think it's amazing. All right, buddy. Uh, I really sincerely appreciate this. It was great having you on. We could circle back and do this again uh, later down the road, but I, I just wanted to say thank you for, for coming on and being, being a part of this and getting the message and story out. I, I love it. Love you too, Mike. I appreciate you having me on, man. Yeah, no, right. I would love to do it again another time. All right, man. Well, we'll talk to you soon. Stay safe out there. Okay, buddy. You do the same. All right. Thanks, man. God bless.